Pardon me, boy. Is that the Chattanooga choo-choo? Track 29. Boy, you can give me a shine. Hello. Hey, man. Hey. How's it going? It's going all right. How's it going with you? Oh, well, I am $300 lighter, but yeah. uh, now I have some new tires. Yay. 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 Well, actually, more like 250 but still, at, after about 200 I start to count it just at hundreds. Yep. Yay. Glaze it over. <laughs> like, why would Glaze I even? Glaze over. Yeah, it's yeah. about the same thing. <laughs> I'm ready to go whenever you guys are, I guess. Yep, I am ready. Tim? <clears throat> yeah, what? Are you ready? Yeah. Let's do this. <laughs> Welcome to We Should Know Better, the game podcast where three guys who are trained researchers give Wikipedia way too much credit. I, I'm Kyle. <laughs> I'm Tim. I'm Sky. Uh, every week we play a Wikipedia game together for goofs and trivia, mostly. Uh, mostly the goofs, a little bit for trivia, uh, for the extent to the extent that Wikipedia actually has real trivia in it. And if you don't know what the Wikipedia game is, uh, we'll start on one article and then just using the links on that page, or on that article itself, where we try to get to another article in as few clicks as possible. We have a couple interesting games to play along the way, and hopefully we'll have a good time and learn some very dumb things that may or may not be true. You guys should go ahead and head to Wikipedia, just so that you're ready to go. But in the tradition that I have been establishing already, we're going to play a quick game to determine who gets to take the first shot. Oh, yeah. I've been waiting oh, a week for yeah. this. <laughs> <What's>... <laughs> been so excited. So excited. Uh, uh, first off, I'm going to tell you where we start so that you guys can browse the page as you like uh, before, as you're thinking about your answers to our, to our starting game. Sure. Uh, we're we're going to start on the page uh, Limousine. The, the car or the band? The car. I am so happy that you said the band, Tim. So, so. Way to go, guys. I'm a <laughs> It's not even just an obscure band. It's an obscure fictional band. By dumb flash videos from 10 years ago. Oh, amazing flash videos. What are you talking about? Amazing dumb Good flash job. videos. <laughs> so we're going to be starting on Limousine, and I'll tell you why in just a minute. There, There is a method to my madness. Mostly because I found out a cool thing, but that's, yeah, I guess that's the entire method. The game that we're going to play to start is uh, who can come up with the rules to this dumb game that I found in the Family Game Book, which is a pretty terrible book that was released in 1967, full of wonderful little games that you can play to establish gender stereotypes and hierarchical structures within your own household, uh, all, while, all while ignoring your common man. And um, they have a long, long list of games that are for different age groups. Uh, and we're actually going to be uh, playing one of the ones that is for boys and girls. Yay! Uh, in Inclusion. This, this nope. week. Yes. How revolutionary. I know. Uh, specifically, boys and girls. Can they play them together, though? Or yes. Just for a group they they of boys, play them in separate rooms. Well, 
Uh, yeah, they, they, they don't say, although um, for some of these, uh, I assume that one gender is obviously going to be better than the other. Uh, but they, 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 you know, they want you to try to make it as equal as possible. You know, just to make the kids believe that they can be anything they want to be until the cruel, harsh reality of the world sets in. Uh, anyway, this is from the chapter called Educational Games for Boys and Girls, age 6 to 10. And um, we are looking for the rules to the game called Buzz. Uh, B-U-Z-Z. And, the, and remember that, the uh, again, age 6 to 10 and educational games are key here. They, they really want kids to have a good time learning something or just learn something forget the good time part okay so all right so the game is called buzz what do you guys think that game is buzz is a game where you go get mommy or daddy a drink before <laughs> before you tell them what you learned in school today mm, mm. i i like this game this sounds like a very dangerous game. <laughs> sounds like a very sounds like a very 50s, 60s type of game to me. It really does. I can definitely see this being played on the Wonder Years. I remember that episode. I think actually. <laughs> All right, uh, Sky. <laughs> what? <laughs> what do you think the game Buzz is? One second. Oh, oh my. Okay. Oh, You're yeah, not was, looking it up, are it you? It was 1969. Mm. <laughs> Were you just looking up the Wonder Years? No. Let's <laughs> go about your business. I don't believe you, <laughs> but okay. There's like nothing. I know there's nothing to go by. That's that's why yeah, it's, like, it's like come up with a come up with a game for a sound effect. Potato. Yeah, chair. <laughs> what game is chair? What are you doing it? <laughs> Um, <laughs> I was actually looking up the. I couldn't remember uh, the, when the moon landing was, and I thought it was sixty nine. It was sixty nine, oh, so it already God, happened. Man. These people had no yes. idea that that could happen. Um, buzz is where <laughs> you go around poking different objects in the room, <laughs> hoping that one of them will buzz, and none of them, none of them actually do. So. <laughs> The kids leave the parents alone for about an hour and a half. So the so the goal of this game, uh, much like Tim's game, is to get the kids to leave the parents alone by distracting them. Hey, uh, Tommy, go find something in the house that buzzes. As long as the house doesn't have a doorbell. <laughs> I was going to say this could this could backfire on you pretty quickly. Yeah. Because you find the thing that buzzes and you never want to stop. For the simple fact that uh, there's less alcohol involved, I think I'm going to go with Skies this week. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you, Tim. You'll regret this. <laughs> I probably will. But the actual game is the most regrettable part. Buzz is the perfect game for teaching and reviewing the multiplication tables. Uh. Oh, yay. My favorite thing's to review. <laughs> so a, uh, it goes on to say it, a whole classroom of 10-year-olds, 10-year-olds, We'll mm-hmm. find Buzz exciting. Oh no! You do not the front load this like this. This is already <laughs> this is already going to be terrible. But, <laughs> you don't know, start out describing a game by saying, "All right, everyone's going to find this exciting." This it's is such a great, great game, you guys. Uh, but for the six and seven year olds, it is necessary to limit the group to three to four players because it d- resolve or dissolve devolves into the Hunger Games <laughs> at that just, point. Devolves into madness. Too much excitement. Yeah. So you play Buzz by counting out numbers. 
uh, and replacing one of the numbers in the first 10 mm -hmm. with the word buzz. They suggest starting with buzz five. So what you do is you count, uh, you go around the ring and count one, two, three, blank, uh, buzz. Oh, you already lost. Yeah, I already did. I'm out. <laughs> oh, I did it wrong even. One, two, three, yeah. four, buzz, six, seven, eight, nine, buzz. buzz. And every number that you go around that's 11, a 12, multiple 13, of that 11, number, buzz. you say the word buzz instead of that word. On top of being infuriating uh, on, on its own uh, for the kids to try to keep count and say the word correctly at the right time, um, if you do it wrong, you're out. No more game for you. Uh, you get to watch the other 10-year-olds have an exciting time until there's only one child left who can find the prime, I guess. So oh uh, they suggest going, um, going to buzz five to start and then uh, reaching um, buzz three, then buzz four. And I like how it says this, eventually even to buzz seven. Buzz Kyle. seven. Kyle, you know what this book is. What? You know, you know what you have? <laughs> what what do I have? <laughs> I think this is like an like a, a secret code book from the Cold War. <laughs> it's it's a secret code about how many how many nukes are flying in the air right now. We're That's plus what, five guys. Plus, plus five. five. They published See, them as children's books, and nobody well, was the wiser. You know those like mysterious radio stations, like they seem to come from <laughs> Russia, where they're just reading numbers. They're like it's two, actually, seven, fourteen, buzz. Yes. <laughs> Actually, just multiplication tables the whole time. Activate the doctor's cat. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So uh, this is a... <laughs> Activate the doctor's cat. The Manchurian cat at it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Have you been waiting to use that since we played that game? Nope, it just came up right now. Wow, I don't believe you at that either. <laughs> There's a lot of disbelief tonight. Um. Uh... Yeah, I, I, I might agree with you. This this book is only getting better, though, with each and every game. So, guys, um, where does the word limousine come from? You can find it on this page, actually. The dictionary. <laughs> the dictionary. Um, it's actually named after a type of cloak that was worn by the uh, the people that drove uh, what used to be just be a carriage, essentially, or a car uh, that was, you know, a limousine. It's the cloak itself that was the, the word that we used for it. And, that, and it was called that. Uh, that cloak was called that because it was styled after a style of cloak that was popular in a French town called, and I'm not going to try to say the French, uh, Limousine. <laughs> Limousine. Yeah, literally. Uh, a bunch of shepherds there got in the habit of wearing this type of cloak that had sort of a hood and shoulder, uh, shoulder spread, um, which you... Uh, if you've ever watched like an, I guess like an old West uh, show with a, a movie with a stagecoach or something like that, uh -huh. that little hood and shoulder wrap that the driver wears, that's that's a limousine. Cool. Yeah. So uh, it just became conflated with the car itself. You would say that you needed to hire a limousine when in reality you met the driver, but mm -hmm. it became a, any kind of car that had a cover to it. Objectifying a lower class. Fantastic. That's right. Yeah, actually, that's exactly what just happened. Yep. Uh, but language is cool, too. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to take – I'm going to take the angle that language is pretty neat. Even when it's objectifying people. Yes, even, even then, our language is a crazy, wonderful thing. 
So just so you know, you can be that pedantic person the next time that anyone in your family, you know, oh. if goes to uh, wants to go to a prom and, and says something like, "We're all going to rent a limousine," you'll say, you can say, "Actually, actually, turns out that the limousine is the driver, and even then, it's not the driver; it's the driver's cloak. And even then, it's not the cloak; it's the town that the cloak comes from." Oh my gosh! And they look at you and they're like, "That's why you're not going to prom." <laughs> you're like, "Yeah, that's right." Yes, that's just, this is true. That's accurate. So <laughs> I've never been I've never been attracted to limousines. Like I never thought that it would be fun to ride in a limousine. I have one time, and I don't see the fun in it. I don't understand it. It doesn't seem that it, it's not really that cool. It's like just all a I very would do, large car. All I would do is what I do on the outside of a limousine, which is watch and like think how's the driver going to make this turn he can't make yeah. that turn what's he doing yes. oh he's on the sidewalk like that's that's all i would do being but i'd be inside of it so yes. my anxiety would be even worse <laughs> yeah I, the thing of it is like you don't always face directly forward in a limousine yeah and that too. bothers me i would not be able to ride in a vehicle where i'm not facing directly forward like that so mm-hmm. i don't know i don't know there are some very weird novelty limousines in there, but most of the time, uh, you're going to find out that they are actually stretched just a vehicle that they've cut in half and added more car to. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which why, sounds super why, safe. <laughs> why? Why did this happen? Like, how did we go? I mean, how did we well, go from Sky, carriage yeah. to? We should have long cars. Yeah. That look um, dumb and are hard it, to drive, <laughs> and can't really put that many more people in them. It's uh, it's it's a weird story, and there are other podcasts that talked about it, which is actually how I learned about the history of the word limousine this you week. Stop mooching off a podcast, Tim or Kyle. Hey. Or Tim asked to Kevin, <laughs> Carl, Kevin. Well, I don't care because I find cool things everywhere. Sky. It doesn't matter where they come from. But they're they're always from other podcasts. The world is a cool place. <laughs> also, podcasts are a cool place. Also, I drive two hours to and from work every day. So get off my path. I was gonna say you can you can pry my podcast from my cold dead hands. Uh, anyway, we're taking a transportation route tonight and going from limousines to uh, the 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 page the in particular page that we're looking for tonight is called the Golden Spike. What? Golden Spike is the is the name of the page. Oh, the that Golden Spike, huh? And it is the Golden Spike that capped off the Transcontinental Railroad. Oh. Uh, so we're going from cars to trains tonight. And uh, there are lots. I, I tested this out. There are like two or three different ways you can get there. Oh, great. Two or th- yeah. Two or three different ways in the entire Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> like multiverse. Out of the... Out of the- <laughs> of the connections i found the shortest one i did came to five clicks nice so um let's see one two three four yeah five clicks i guess uh sky gets to start us off so where are you going first guy i gotta get to the railroads right that is correct i'm going to wealth <laughs> click it on wealth oh i should probably reference it here limousines are culturally associated with wealth or power and are commonly cited as examples of conspicuous consumption mm-hmm Mm-hmm. So I'm clicking on wealth because I can I could probably get to a railroad baron from wealth. Maybe. That's a really good plan. <clears throat> it's not the route I want, but that is a really good plan. Tim. I believe that uh, if we're going to go for trains, I want to go uh, to the page of someone who wrote a song about a train. Uh, that's Glenn Miller. Oh, man, Tim, you're so close. Go. On. Please continue. Ooh. 
Glenn Miller wrote the song Pennsylvania 65000. Also Chattanooga Choo Choo. That's awesome. I don't wow. know that one, Tim. <laughs> Can you give us a few notes of that? The, uh, the old um, saw, uh, uh, Pennsylvania 65000. <laughs> um, I don't – well, I know Chattanooga Choo Choo. All I know about Pennsylvania 65000 is when they go, oh. Pennsylvania 65000. Yeah. I think that's actually the only lyrics in the song. Is that really a thing? Or are yeah. you just making that up? I don't know. I am know not it. making this up. I really want to look I do up. not joke about Glenn Miller. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, you're joking about Glenn Miller right now. Pencil thing. Yeah. <laughs> don't get meta on me. <laughs> uh, what was 65000? Look at that. Yep. Wow. It's a telephone number in New York City. <laughs> wow. Oh, hey, there's a link on YouTube. Oh, it's actually it's actually a phone number. Yes. Oh well. Good good thing he also did Chattanooga Choo Choo then. <laughs> <laughs> that's working. Out, that's gonna work out well for you. Indirectly. Everything's yeah. coming up, Tim. <laughs> Very nice. Okay, yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna worry about that. Okay, yes. So we're off and running. Uh, Tim, you were so close to the, or at least one of the selections that I went with. Um, and I'm actually going to reveal where I go, uh, like one page behind you guys, because I have a couple games to play in between here. But uh, I think we should actually still just get started. Uh, Sky, tell me about where you went first. Well, Matt, wealth. Yeah, just general wealth. It's an abundance of valuable resources or valuable material possessions. Oh, Adam Smith, no, no, thank yeah. you. Yeah, I'm finding a lot of theories on wealth here, and not so many. Here's some wealthy people. <laughs> Here's some wealthy people. <laughs> I was at least hoping to like talk about like how different people got wealth, and I really thought there would be at least a few of them. I yes. thought the Vanderbilts would be here somewhere, but they somewhere. Are not. There's a there's a the interpersonal concept of wealth. And I it see says, it. It says that early hominins, uh, or early hominins, <laughs> uh, early hominids uh, seem to have started with they seem to have started with incipient ideas of wealth, um, similar to that of the great apes, but tools, clothing, and other mobile in infrastructural man this is I, I can't talk structural capital yeah it became important to survival and then there were then ideas of inheritance of wealth developed and the ability to control group movements mm. and neanderthal societies started pooling uh funerary rights and cave painting which implies at least a notion of shared assets it could be spent for social purposes or preserved for social purposes. Wealth may have been collective. How I can't believe we started wealth. that early. Yeah, yeah, that's really crazy. It's really crazy to me that that it's also collective. Like I guess you always picture cavemen as kind of fighting amongst themselves, and if they did right. kind of have an idea of wealth, it was you know these are all my apples, not your apples. Right. There's not a lot of apples. Right, and, and I, we can't. I could get eaten by a puma at any time. Yes. So. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, that's it. That's really crazy. Yeah. Um, and it also talks about technology on the other side of it, and uh, you know, it technology <clears throat> is complicated when it comes to wealth. It kind of redistributes it. Uh, usually, usually it pushes would, it to a smaller group of people. Yes. And takes it from the larger group of people. I do. Let's see. Where do they have? Up. Oh, yeah. In 1996, the United States federal government reported that the net worth of the top one percent of people in the United States was approximately equal to that of the bottom ninety percent. I think that's increased. Recently, I can't remember by how much, but I do remember mm -hmm. seeing that statistic very recently. Uh, I'm not sure where you're going to go from here, Sky, but okay. 
Um, I think I'm going to click on uh, infrastructural capital. Dang. Because there's natural capital and infrastructural capital. You so are. I'm thinking that railroads have to be in there somewhere. I, I feel like you're probably right. So I'm going to click on that, and it, oh, uh, it takes yeah. me to public capital. So. Oh. Okay, go on, uh, Tim. Okay, so Glenn Miller was a very <laughs> was a very prominent um, big band leader mm-hmm. uh, in the 30s and 40s, uh, who disappeared uh, at the age of 40 uh, in a plane that was flying over the English Channel. Uh, he was over there playing uh, during World War II. Wow. Yeah, yep. I wasn't aware that he that had, he was MIA. No, I had no idea. Yeah, he disappeared. Let me see if I can give you a little bit more information on that. Um, So the plane vanished over the English Channel. Uh, He was set to fly from the United Kingdom to Paris to play for the soldiers there. His plane, a single-engine UC-64 Norseman, departed from uh, Royal Air Force Twinwood Farm in Clapham on the outskirts of Bedford and disappeared while flying over the English Channel. no one exactly knows what happened, but a 2014 article in the Chicago Tribune reported that, despite many theories that it had been proposed, Miller's plane crashed because it had a faulty carburetor. Oh, man. Um, hmm. The plane's engine had a type of carburetor that was known to be defective in cold weather and had a history of causing crashes in other aircraft by icing up. Good job, planes. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's terrible. I am looking down here further, and I did not realize he has something of like a – not, not quite like mythological background, but he came from nothing. It sounds like mm-hmm. he's from Iowa. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Look at that. From Iowa. He made he made his money to buy his first trombone by milking cows. I would have saved up for a guitar or something. Nope. Wanted nope. a trombone. Going straight for the trombone. trombone. That kid. The trombone is the um, instrument of classy people. Yeah, but you need a trombone and something else. You can't just have a trombone. Like, I mean, uh, Glenn Miller would disagree with you, Scott. <laughs> actually, the only other person I can think of that plays the trombone is Jonathan Frakes, who wow. played um, Riker on Star Trek: The Next Generation. I was not. Of course, he did. So <laughs> he even plays the trombone on the show. Yeah. Look, if you know how to play the trombone, you're going to find every excuse you can. To play a trombone, of course he played it if on you, the show. If you play the trombone, you're going to be the second most powerful person in the universe. You play, yeah. if you play a trombone, you're the type of guy that sits down in a chair like this. exactly what you're doing. Yes. Straddles the back of the chair. Um, so, so weird. So after Miller died, um, <laughs> they formed a, a quote-unquote ghost band. There was a power vacuum. To, uh, to continue his sort of legacy, which is really cool. Oh my that's gosh, cool. that's actually kind of true. Wow. Yeah. The uh, the Miller estate authorized an official Glenn Miller ghost band in 1946. Ah. <laughs> yep. Not only is there a Glenn Miller ghost band. Made of ghosts. Uh, made of ghosts. Right. <laughs> the well, trombone now. is full of ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of making, yeah, the normal noise that it makes, it is now just... There are actually Glenn Miller bands in different countries. There's one for the United what? States. There's one for the United Kingdom. There's one for Europe. Well, and they're all Europe still going. The, the Glenn Miller African band. Oh, and oh, that would be amazing. Amazing. The drum and trombone core. Oh. Uh, some of Glenn Miller's uh, famous songs <laughs> include uh, In the Mood, uh, Moonlight Serenade, um, I've Got a Gal in Kalamazoo, um, Little Brown Jug. Yes. 
And he did Little one. Brown Jug? Yeah, yeah, Little Brown Jug, he did that. He wrote it or did he perform it? He wrote it. What? He, uh, well, he recorded it. He recorded it. Yes, sorry. I but have a sense he... that that's a folk tune let me, of some kind. Let yeah. me let me skip a little bit and see here. Uh, I wonder Okay, if... yeah, he did record it. He did not he did not um write it. But I'm going to go with his recording Chattanooga Choo Choo to get back on track. <laughs> so, oh, wow. I've been looking at Glenn Miller uh I've been listening to got Glenn Miller on on YouTube uh and on, one of the comments on this little brown jug is uh sir i love this as i grew up during this period sir thank you kind sir dot 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 or ma'am <laughs> good job good job gordon being inclusive that's uh, what this show's all about i get picturing him typing that out think like just pecking it out finger by finger or ma'am letter by letter or ma'am i don't know how internet well, uh, Tim, you were actually very close to the link that I followed uh, from from Limousine. I actually followed the link for Benny Goodman. You were one link away. That hack. What? Yeah. Yes, that <laughs> hack. <laughs> you you had Glenn Miller and Benny Goodman side by side. And you went with Benny Goodman. I did, and oh. uh, I am so glad that I did because now we can play a game that you don't know the answers to. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, one of the things that I've had a lot of fun with doing this show so far is uh, the amount of citations that we have run into. And I'm always amazed by what we see in the page that actually is cited somewhere. I decided to do a game about the little bits of of the articles that are not. And I'm calling this Citation Needed. I'm going to read you a couple facts Uh that I found on the Benny Goodman page. And you get to tell me which one of them does not have a citation. Which one of these is just the article's author going, I think this is true. Here's the first one, fact A, about Benny Goodman. Goodman was born in Chicago, the ninth of 12 12 children of poor Jewish immigrants from the Russian Empire. Uh, The second fact, uh, the side sessions produced, uh, he he did a series of sessions with other, other bands. The side sessions produced scores of sides recorded for the various dime store record labels under an array of group names, including Mills Musical Clowns, Goodies Good Timers, The Hotsy Totsy Gang, Jimmy Backen's Toe Ticklers, Dixie Daisies, and Kentucky Grasshoppers. All right. Those are and all then, excellent drinks, by the way. Mm. <laughs> and then fact, fact C, I guess, or three, I can't remember which I was at or which way I was going. Uh Many musicians spoke of, quote, the Ray, unquote, Goodman's trademark glare that he bestowed on a musician who failed to perform his demanding to his demanding standards. <laughs> which of these are real facts that have a have a citation? And which of these is just the article author saying, yeah, I think so. I'm going to vote for the Ray. I, I'm going for the first one about his family. Wow. You guys are both incorrect. What? Yeah, we you guys both picked circle the things. around that answer. <laughs> you guys both picked the things that are that actually have citations. So, um, so that whole list of things is not cited at all. Nobody yeah. had to look that up. No one did. People just recited that. He just recited that from memory. That is correct. The guy Great. was like, "Yeah, I think all these these names are right." Yeah, sure. It's pretty close. So uh, yeah, no one's decided. No one decided to actually check uh, whether he was actually a part of a group called Jimmy Backen's Toe Ticklers. Wow! All right. Uh, so I guess uh, I guess no one gets anything cool. I really no one wins this. We're all losers in in our own way. Is it just one question, or are you doing more? No, that's it. That's oh, okay. the only one for this one. I have. <laughs> right. 
No, no, no. This is far from over, Sky. Oh, I got you. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll 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 do more later. Um, Sky, what are we learning in public capital? There's a lot of junk that we've built mm. all over the place. Yeah, is that so? <laughs> this this Wikipedia article does go out of its way to um, describe what it calls one of the largest engineering and and architectural projects in the world. Oh. Uh, can you guys take a guess of what it is, what it might be? I really want to say... They um, keep wait. expanding it, connecting it to the nation's comprehensive transport system. You guys got a guess? Is it the Great Wall of China or something? I mean, like, eh. are you talking about the U.S. or where? Yeah, it could be anywhere. Oh, Worldwide. <clears throat> it's Africa, just the entire continent of Africa. Yeah. I've actually been here, so that narrows oh. it down a bit. Just China? To China. Yeah, China. Just keep expanding China. And just keep connecting it to its transport system. More and more China. A few centimeters at a time. Yeah, very slowly. Yeah, it's the Hong Kong International Airport. Oh. That thing is insane. Like you arrive, and it's like it's just like if you attached all the casinos of Las Vegas together, and you had to walk through them. That's what it was like. It's like flashing lights and everything, and just these huge, like high ceilings. Oh man! And it's crazy. And then you come out from the airport and you're like, well, the sky's purple. That's so crazy. <laughs> it's like, oh, <laughs> clouds of pollution. Oh, it's hard to breathe. Oh, God, why? <laughs> and then your professor looks at you and goes, we're not even in mainland China yet. So <laughs> oh my gosh, get ready. Yeah, <laughs> It's going to get harder to breathe. Uh, that is terrible. And also awesome, but I guess terrible in all the senses of the word. You know, that's one of the, the big things. One of the architectural wonders of uh, the world right now. Um, <laughs> but I'm looking at here and seeing that there's a link to railways. I know. That's so very lucky. I'm going to be clicking on railways. Good call. Uh, Tim, where are we taking the Chattanooga Choo Choo? Chattanooga Choo Choo. Uh, it's a 1941 song uh, that was written by Harry Warren and Matt Gordon. Um, but was originally recorded uh, by Glenn Miller and his orchestra. Chattanooga Choo Choo was the first record to be certified gold. Wow. A gold, first gold record was Chattanooga Choo Choo. Um, the flip side of the single was called I Know Why, parentheses, and so do you. I really <laughs> love that. I love that so much. <laughs> Which sounds quite threatening. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely saying something there. Okay, I really um, love that. There but, been. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, in the song, it, it says here that the song actually opens with some dialogue between a passenger and a shoeshine boy. Oh, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Tim, do you want to enact this with me? Um, pardon me, boy. Is that the Chattanooga choo-choo? Track 29. <laughs> boy, you can give me a shine. And then the song starts, I guess. Actually, but either that, way. Actually, no, that, that, that is actually the, the opening of the song itself. Oh, I see, I see. It, it actually is in tune. It goes, pardon me, boy. Is that the Chattanooga choo-choo? Track 29. Boy, you can give me a shine. We're not going to hey, stop. Yeah, that sounded pretty good. That's all I know. Yeah, no, that was good. Um, that was really good. So this song has been covered uh, by very many people. Uh, so let's play a little game, a little quick game. Oh, no. Okay. And it's called... Have these people actually recorded Chattanooga Choo Choo? Great. Let's do it. I'll name a group. On the fly. Person. Look at this. And you tell me if they have. Oh, no. Um, Carmen Miranda. I don't know oh, who my gosh. That is. Of course, yes. 
Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, she has. Of course she has. You don't know has. Carmen Miranda Sky? Is that just Carmen? Yes. Like, just, like yep. when you think of like the Chiquita Banana kind of dancing songs, that's Carmen Miranda. <laughs> All those Chiquita songs? <laughs> Not really the Chiquita song. She was that style. Great. Um, Elvis Presley. Oh, man. I mean, uh, he's, he did so... Yeah, no. he did that... so many songs. He had no, to he at some point. Nope. I'm he saying did. yes. Yes! He did. Cher. Uh, <laughs> no, Cher didn't. No way. Cher did not. Oh. Phew. Barry Manilow. Barry Manilow did because he is. <laughs> I don't know. That's it's his, it's his mission to sing every good song in the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did. Oh, did he really? Yeah. Yes, wow. he did. I could picture that. <laughs> <laughs> I could see it. David Bowie. Oh, man. Oh, if he did, it's probably really weird. I'd um, be so amazing, though. I want, it, I want it. I'm saying yes just because I want it to be true. I'm going to say no. <laughs> You're trying to will it into yes. truth. He did not. No. Yeah, well, uh, now we have to get on Twitter. And yep. David Bowie. <laughs> Hang on. Let me just tweet um, this out. David Bowie, please. Please. I'm Last just gonna one. Sc- at just gonna da- at David Bowie, please cover. <laughs> Chattanooga, choo-choo. Last one. The Muppets. Oh, my gosh. Of course, yes. Yeah. Of course they did, yes. <laughs> yep. uh, where are we going next? So um, the song was written while traveling on the Southern Railway's uh, Birmingham Special Train. Mm. Uh, so I'm going to go with Southern Railway. That is a good call. Hoping that that railway might have connected to the West somehow, someday. Maybe. Maybe. Um, well, that is all well and good, but I actually did not go that route. Uh, from Benny Goodman, I managed to find a link to the stockyards in Chicago. Oh, <laughs> and nice. I, I'm not entirely certain off the top of my head. It would be Benny Goodman's article, that tramp. <laughs> I don't remember which one uh, I went to or which where that link was or what the reference was that brought me there. Um, but there is a link on the Benny Goodman page that takes you to the stockyards. It's a scary, scary place. <laughs> okay, yeah, this is good. So I have three more facts from the stockyards page, referring specifically to the Union Stockyards in Chicago. I hope one of these facts is about hobos. No, unfortunately. So here are three facts from the stockyards page, and you need to tell me which one has uh, citation needed. Uh, first... <clears throat> From the Civil War until the 1920s and peaking in 1924, more meat was processed in Chicago than in any other place in the world. We're the Uh, king of meats. (laughs) Well, that's still true. Uh, Second, the mechanized process with its killing wheel and conveyors helped inspire the automobile assembly line that Henry Ford popularized in 1913. Construction on the stockyards... uh, began in June 1865 and with an opening on Christmas Day in 1865. So, Merry Christmas. Here's your killing or your murder. (laughs) Murder. Murder. So, one of these did not have a citation. Uh, And Tim went first last time. So, Sky? Let's go the first one. Uh, More meat processed in Chicago than in... (laughs) I, I follow your reasoning and I like it. Tim, what's yours? Um... I was going to go for the meat as well, but I'm going to fan out our, our hedge our bets here because we need to. Yep. Um, I'm going to go with three. 
the, that construction began in 1865 in June and opened on Christmas Day. Yep. You are correct. Oh. Why yes. is it no one has the fact for that? Yeah, it seems like that, that would be. That's why I picked it. Yeah. <laughs> I really thought that someone would be like, oh, yeah, I know where that's at. I can find that myself. And I, and I guess I'm not that great of a person because I also thought, I guess I'll just forget about, I don't have to look this up. That's probably true. <laughs> great. So That's part so, of this game. Yep. <laughs> things are pro- uh, I, probably true. One of the things, uh, one of the other things that I almost picked that actually is uh, cited, has, has a citation, um, quote, so much stockyard waste drained into the south fork of the river uh, that it was called Bubbly Creek due to the gaseous products of decomposition. The creek bubbles, <laughs> the creek bubbles to this day. Citation. Don't, uh, Citation. Throw a match on that. Yeah. Don't do it. <laughs> Please don't do it. Um, I, I couldn't get over that. It was amazing. <laughs> so uh, Tim wins this round. I can't get you anything special. I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's okay. I'm special enough. Uh, yeah, our our uh, your your reward is trivia. It is always trivia. Yeah, Sky, where yeah. are we going next? I'm at rail transport. Yay! So it's all about trains. And are you ready to hear the sexiest sentence you'll ever hear <laughs> in regards so ex- to trains? I'm so excited. <laughs> this is a picture of a hot <laughs> bearing detector with dragging equipment unit. <laughs> Can't you just picture it? Conductors oh. are standing by. Conductors are standing by. Long oh. freight train crossing Stony Creek Viaduct on the Canadian Pacific Highway in southern British Columbia. Okay, this is getting weird. <laughs> oh, oh to the left, railway turnouts. To the right, the Chicago Transit Authority Control Tower. <laughs> it only worked for that one. Yeah, I'm sorry. That one didn't work very well. A hot bearing detector with dragging equipment unit. <laughs> There's a lot about trains. There's a ton about trains. Trains are crazy. Trains are cool. Trains have been around forever. Yeah. The first evidence of a railway was a six-kilometer uh, Reaganway. Reaganway. That's uh, Wagon, just, Reaganway. For, just for Wagon uh, Ray. Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan. Uh, Reagan. <laughs> yes. The first train happened in, <laughs> in, in ancient Greece. Yes, no, but this was in this was yeah this was in Corinth, in the Corinth Isthmus, Isthmus in Greece <laughs> during the sixth century BC, and trucks pushed by slaves ran in gro- <laughs> ran in grooves in limestone, uh, which which provided the track element. Just in case that you didn't get that across, yeah. the Wikipedia I, article specifies. <laughs> it operated for how long do you guys think it operated for? I really heard a you say years. operated there. And a few I really... years? 600 years. <laughs> Whoa. 600 years. So up to, up to basically, you know, zero BC. I wonder if they called, even at that time, like if they, and this is probably not, like if they called the people who were operating it, like pushing it, yeah. like engineers or something like that. Like if they were providing the locomotion or something like that. They called them limousines because they Lim- were. Yes. Yes, they all had. They to probably call them like loincloths or something. Dirty <laughs> loincloths because they were slaves. Yes. Um, yeah. But then the railroad, it's like the Wikipedia article goes from from ancient Greece to um, saying that they appeared after the dark, like reappeared after the dark ages. Sure. So there's a there's a, a railway pictured in a stained glass window in the Minster of Freiburg in 
Breisgau in Germany, and that's dating from around 1350. That's crazy. Yeah, that's I, really weird that we don't have like more writing around that time than we have to go yeah, by the stained glass window. That's that's really insane. And it says that they're talking about, um, yeah, a uh, did, did the line originally used wooden rails and a hemp haulage rope. Oh, it sounds like the way that we would use canals. Yeah, uh, well, this is a different one though. This is in this oh, is I one see. from 1515. Crazy. Cardinal Mathis Lang wrote a description about one that in Austria. It says that it still exists and it's been updated and it's one of the oldest railways still to operate. It's pretty cool. Um, another thing that I found was uh, under the motive power section, and it was talking about electric locomotives, which are the ones with with the wires, uh, usually, you know, that try like usually hooked up to uh, on top of them. Mm-hmm. Modern electric locomotives uh, can use AC induction motors or direct current motors. And then it says under these conditions, which I'm not sure if it's talking about AC or direct current, but they actually are the most powerful traction. Oh. Like they have the most powerful, you know, can go up hills. And I guess that makes sense because is this, this is how like streetcars in San Francisco work, isn't it? I think so. Or am I wrong? I think it's through the, but that's like through the rails, right? That's, that like was my understanding, but again, we're trusting Wikipedia, so. Yeah. But, you know, they are also very expensive. Yeah. Yeah, well, sure. Changed, I just changed the article on cable cars to say that they run on rice aroni. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> and Good job, Tim. <laughs> and it's back. <laughs> oh, that didn't take long. And it's done. So, yeah. The cable um, car lobby is vigilant. <laughs> but guess what's on here? better than the here? Benny Goodman lobby. I mean, geez. Guess what's on here? I'm going to guess the Transcontinental Railroad. Yep. Good. Uh-oh. So yeah. close. First con- the first transcontinental railroad completed yep. in 1869. So I'm going to click on first trans- transcontinental railroad. I think that's a good call. I think so too. Okay, Tim, where are we going Yo. from the Southern Railway? So the Southern Railway um, was named such from 1894 to 1990. It is now part of um, Norfolk Southern Railway. It uh, <laughs> served the South faithfully for years. Um, got wrecked pretty well in the Civil War, but they came back <laughs> along with many others. Just got um, wrecked, like everything in wrecked. the South. Here's the name of some of their passenger trains. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, the Florida Sunbeam. Oh, man. The Peach Queen. Wow. The Pelican. What? The Wait, what Ponce de Leon. Name of their these? passenger trains. These are names of passenger trains on Southern's line. Wonderful. Uh, Sunnyland, oh. the, the Skyland Special, the what? Tennessean, and the Washington Atlanta New Orleans Express. I like that the one. I don't know if you caught the one at the. Um, it, it ran the nation's first regularly scheduled steam-powered train, or steam-powered passenger train. Oh yeah, that's what it's I was trying to find. <laughs> it's at the top of the history one. Yeah, it is called the the, the wood burning. Uh, in the name of it is the best friend of Charleston. The yep. best friend of Charleston. Best friend of Charleston. Oh man. Isn't that adorable? That is adorable. Here comes oh. the best friend of Charles. And I'm the sure that's exactly what they true. said. I'm coming, I, guys. <laughs> Chug it along. I guarantee that's what they said in the ads. Bringing that's you all this meat from Chicago <laughs> or somewhere. Well, it only went over a six-mile section out of Charleston, but sure. <laughs> oh, I guess that's friend. why it's best friend because it doesn't it didn't go, go It didn't want to leave. It didn't want to leave. I can't leave you. 
It's useless. So I, I am like pretty lost, friends. I would say, but I'm going to try getting closer. I'm going to go with the Norfolk and Western Railway <laughs> because the Golden Spike is in the West somewhere. I'm pretty sure of it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I'm in the right direction. Yeah, I yep, think so. Getting there. Got to, got to, got to make my connection. Mm, wow, we're just, we're doing such a great, such a great job with this one. Uh, yeah. Oh man, those are great. Got to make the trains train. run on time. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> At least you made the trains run on time. Yeah. Did you know that was actually so? How do you guys interpret that? That's it's a World War Two slogan about Mussolini. Of course, we're talking about World War Two again. But yeah, dang but, it, Sky! You did that on purpose. What does it mean? What is it? What do people use it for? To say an otherwise terrible person was good at or was effective at being or was affected at at scheduling things. Sure, uh, I I sort of take it to mean that he was a tyrant, but tyranny made things work. Yep. Well, actually, yes, that is the common. That is what people commonly think of it now. But actually, no. oh no. <laughs> Now I'm gonna probably get this wrong, but Yay. I remember I remember reading about this like a year ago. No, do it. Tell us all about it. Italians actually use that sarcastically. The trains didn't run on time. What? They, they were it, like everything was a mess during the war for them. Oh yeah. And so they would say, "Well, at least the trains were running on time," and they weren't because and were, <laughs> it was basically it was basically another jab at Mussolini, oh, like I basically saying like even even something that. You know, a dictator should be able to manage like his yes. trains. Nope. So this oh. is at least the trains run on time. It's, oh it's, my gosh, I love it. Yeah. Italians being snarky. Snarky, what? snarky Italians. I don't no. know what you're talking about. I, oh, I, yeah. I, I take, I could take complete offense to that, guys. Also, yeah, I don't care. That's pretty. That's pretty accurate. We're all Italian here. Yeah, that's pretty true too. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> There's more than enough snark to go around. Um, all right, so uh, we're going to do one more round of Citation Needed because right. I did three rounds of this and I was too happy with this one not to use it. Okay. Actually, this, is, this one wasn't as fun as the Stockyards one. That was really my favorite. You're really setting this up. Okay. Uh, the, <laughs> <laughs> this one isn't as good as the last one, guys. I, uh, I, I'm trying to keep the trains running on time, Sky. Sure. Um, <laughs> as am I. <laughs> <laughs> this one is uh, just from the Railroads page, which is where I went from the Stockyards. And... Uh, one of these three needs a citation. Fact A, the sole intercity passenger railroad in the continental U.S. is Amtrak. Fact B, in 2013, the U.S. moved more oil out of North Dakota by rail than the Trans-Alaska Pipeline. Hmm. Uh, fact C, U.S. railroads still play a major role in the nation's freight shipping. They carried 750 billion ton miles by 1975, which doubled to 1.5 trillion ton miles in 2005. So is it, did, is you it say, ton? did you say ton miles? Is it ton yeah, mile I know. That's, what, the, a unit that's of measurement? what they call it. I guess it is. Moving, really moving a ton a mile? A ton a mile, yes. I mean, that's pretty self-explanatory. Wow. <laughs> um, I will go with uh, Amtrak. All right. Because Sky. I think there are people who still wonder mm -hmm. if it's actually a train service. I'm going to go with uh, the second one about the The, the oil. North Dakota oil? Yep. Uh, Tim, you were right again. Uh, I am amazed that on Amtrak. <laughs> I am amazed that someone from Amtrak did not go, uh, uh, because that seems like something that Amtrak would do. Um, yeah, yeah. It just says, just out of nowhere, hey, uh, guys, the sole inner city passenger railroad in the continental U.S.? Yeah, it's Amtrak. Sure. Yeah, yeah. 
There yeah. aren't any others ever. So it's I suppose that's probably true because I can't think of one and I actually tried to stop and think of another and I can't think of another. So we need to get on the train business guys. Yeah. Like seriously. <laughs> I want trains. <laughs> well, I uh I once played a conductor in uh, our a church musical. Yes, you oh did. I remember this. Oh my gosh! Named, named uh, I think it was Conductor Billy Whizbang. Oh, this yeah. is wonderful. I want to know all about this. What was the play? It was called The Mission Express. Yes. <laughs> it was a train that you know had had a mission to, to uh, spread the good news. Oh, please say that. News. Yep. <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> The the girl who would um, later become my girlfriend for a while at the time mm. played a missionary whose name was Miss Shanary. Nope. Ooh. <laughs> what? Yep. <laughs> that so can't it, be true. It was basically the Christian like Polar Express, just with, ah! with less Tom Hanks and more Jesus. Still just yep. as scary. I I hate the Polar An Express. An equal amount of Aerosmith, though, oddly. <laughs> That's probably actually true. <laughs> I I am sorry, but that that is the creepiest looking movie it for is. me. I don't. There's something about it that's like it's, it's the, the uncanny, uncanny valley. valley. Yes, it's the uncanniest valley. <laughs> Why yes. do all these people kind of look like Tom Hanks? Yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> it's it's yeah. the Tom Hanks tricks. <laughs> all right, we're gonna move on from there. Uh, Sky, can you get us any closer to the Golden Spike? I think In fact, I I'm pretty sure you can get us there. Yeah, I'm at the first, trans <laughs> first Transcontinental Railroad. <laughs> uh, um, tell us a little bit about the first Transcontinental Railroad. Oh, well, you know. It was, <laughs> <laughs> it was originally known as the Pacific Railroad. Uh, it's it's oh, yeah. over 1900 miles long. It's a continuous okay. railroad line. Yep. Constructed from 1863 to 1869, right around the time of the Civil War. Yep. Um pretty cool so far. Yeah. Uh did you guys know that like time zones and clocks weren't synced until trains started running? Yes. I I know that there was a Oh man, I know that there's a whole story behind uh, yep. time zones and, and uh, oh man, where did I read this? And how they did it? It was all about the clocks themselves, like finding the best clock that they could use to track time zones. Mm -hmm. Oh, it was such a good. No, it was a podcast. Oh my gosh, everything's a podcast. Everything's a podcast, you. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> but yeah, it was a huge undertaking because they had to basically figure out a way to communicate this across, you know, the country. Oh, and figure out cool. yeah and figure out how to you know synchronize it because everything's running on a different time yeah and so man i should probably look this up because it's been a long time since i talked, since I talked about oh it, yeah it was it was uh yep it was uh stuff you missed in history class that's what it was <laughs> uh it, it's such a cool idea though uh and and were there states that opted out of it even then or I suppose that's daylight saving. That's that's not. Well, I'm even talking zones. about like not even just time zones, but like having clocks that actually match. Like having everyone on the, even on the same hour. You know oh, what I mean? Oh, yeah. I like not, it used uh, to be like it used to be you'd go from like a town like ten miles away, and the clocks would be off by like ten minutes or something. What? Just time was time was a wimbly wibbly wobbly thing that. All right. 
Sky, that's the second time you've used that phrase. I tried to quote. I tried to quote uh, <laughs> Doctor Who, and I failed again. Our, our Doctor Who credit movie. shot. <laughs> Good. Yep. Um, each city in the United States used a different time standard, so there were more than 300 local sun times to choose from. And they sun tried time? to address the problem, Sweet. but here's the thing: they tried to address the problem by establishing 100 railroad time zones. But what? this is only a partial solution of the problem. And I remember reading about this. They had books. You'd go you when you would arrive, like when you were making connections. They had a book, and it said, "Like, all right, did you just arrive? For, did you just arrive from this city? You probably think it's this time. Well, here it's this time. Your destination thinks it's this time. So if that train's coming from your destination, like if you're picking up the train in in you know Cincinnati, then you need to look at Cincinnati's time. And if it's coming from what? Pittsburgh, then that's probably set to the Pittsburgh time. So you need to be there, you know." plus five minutes from the Cincinnati time. And it was just this crazy thing that they had. Wait, is this the the same idea where they had like that bank of clocks? Like whenever you got to a place, they would just have the current time in each place. Is this where that developed? Possibly. I don't really oh, remember. It's terrifying. Man, that was that must have been hard to do. <laughs> yeah, and I, I can't for the life of me remember how they got everything synced up. But they did. How uh, did anyone do anything? I... I Nobody cared. Nobody cared. Everyone was a small town. They didn't have to worry about anybody else. <laughs> they just showed up for dinner, showed up for a business meeting. You know, by how how come we never hear about this in in like uh, in like time? <laughs> how come we ne- never see anything about this in like the uh, like the period pieces? Like anything, like Hell on Wheels. If oh, you guys I'm so glad you it. went that direction because for a second I thought you were making a joke about why why don't we ever see this in Time magazine? Wow. And I was about oh, to no. be really sad. <laughs> that would have been great, but yes, no, not that way. Oh. Yeah, no, like the the people who are very serious business people, why would they not be freaking out like, oh, I can't believe it's 5 o'clock in Cincinnati right now. Yeah, yeah as they chomp on a cigar and and say something detrimental about women. Well, and I demand think pictures of Spider-Man. This was about the time <laughs> where people cared about what was happening in Cincinnati, and that's yeah. why they made complicated ledgers that had all these different time zones and then eventually they said screw it we're all going to get on the the same time and deal with it there was also this big deal like big argument about like okay well where does a time zone start like where who you know (laughs) what happens what do we do when like what is time where's the line like how are we going to do this do we do it by state do we do you know what do we just make one thing down the middle it's craziness just do squiggly lines does that sound good to you yeah let's do that I, I did not realize that, that was so that that was a thing that was still happening at that point in history. Yep. Like they couldn't just say like, "Hey, everyone, we're all in the same country. Let's all- <laughs> let's all figure this out together." <laughs> and then oh, they're like, "Okay, everyone, now that we got that taken care of, let's talk about daylight savings time." Yeah. What? <laughs> like, shut up! No. <laughs> well, and daylight savings why- time was already figured out. That's oh, what. Yeah. That's, really? Farmers. That was Benjamin Franklin. Yeah. yeah. Farmers. <laughs> I mean, so there was, there was daylight savings time before we had like established time zones. Well, before we had like established time. specific time zones, yeah. Before <laughs> we had established time. before so we, just, so we had it before we realized how stupid it was. The town, the the clock tower was just like the only authority. It was the lame before time. Oh. Oh. Yeah. See, you, can, I, I can do it too, guys. So the last spike. Uh, <laughs> six years after the groundbreaking. Bra- 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 <laughs> 
It's really hard because I have I have my ear my earbuds in and my headphones over my earbuds so that you can't the, hear yourself talking. I know, and I can't hear myself talking, and I but I can kind of, and it trips me up. <laughs> Plus, I just can't talk anyway. It's okay. Um, no one minds. So the last spike of the Central Pacific Railroad. Uh, uh, this is the Golden Spike. It's the ceremonial final spike driven by Leland Stanford to join the rails of the first transcontinental railroad across the United States. Uh, connecting the Central Pacific and the Union Pacific Railroads on May 10th, 1869. Uh, it is at Promontory Summit in, I thought it was Promontory Point for some reason. Promontory are you, Summit. Are in, you reading uh, that from the Golden Spike page? I am. Oh, I'm not, I'm not there yet. Oh. Um, I'm still at Transcontinental Railroad. Ah! Yeah. Sorry, I'm jumping ahead. But there is a section called The Last Spike that's talking yeah, about I thought the Golden so. Spike. That's, that's why I thought you were there. I'm sorry. Right. Go on. So it's, ha- it's happening at Promontory Summit, Utah, and on May tenth, eighteen sixty-nine. Whatever just, just whatever Kyle just said, yeah, and perhaps the world's first live mass media event, which is a big claim. Uh, the hammers and spikes were wired to the telegraph line so that each hammer uh, stroke would be heard as a as a click at telegraph stations nationwide. The hammer strokes were missed, so the clicks were sent by the telegraph operator. <laughs> Yay! And, and that's the thing that I got us here to read. Yep, because I thought that was great. That totally lives up to the first mass media event. <laughs> Even way back then, you yep. still could get the hashtag right. You still messed up. As soon as the ceremonial, ceremonial spike had been replaced by an ordinary iron spike, a message was transmitted to both the East Coast and West Coast that simply read, Done! <laughs> 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 the country erupted in celebration upon. Uh, receiving this message travel from coast to coast was reduced from six months or more to just one week yeah how crazy is all of that though um to imagine that it once took that much time to uh to make that journey yeah and suddenly you know i mean just one day you're like oh man i have to plan for you know a six-month journey to get to california and then the next day it's like, oh hey, uh, I can I can be there next week. Yep. What a I mean, what a weird revolution that would have to be. Man, I don't even I don't know how we kept this country together. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's so huge, and be I mean, I guess we did it for a while, like right around sure. this time. Yes. But uh, yeah, it's just like, man, it's so huge. We had to have this. They probably just came in just at the right time. Otherwise, <laughs> we'd be like did. four different countries. Oh yes. If it if it had not. If it had not happened when it did, and I, I'm sure there are several books written about this particular topic, uh, and I would like to read all of them. But um, yeah, I, I'm sure that it's just uh, everyone could just weigh all the different ways that this helped stitch things together. How crazy, though. Um, Tim, do you want to take a shot at making it there in a click? I doubt I will. Um, so I'll, I'll instead mention a few things about the Norfolk and Western Railway. Tell me all about it. This article is about the former U.S. Class 1 Railroad. For the indie folk rock band, see what? Norfolk and Western Band. What? Yes. I'm clicking that right now. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Let's step away from trains for a second and go to the Norfolk and Western indie rock oh, and folk so rock band from Portland. An essential, of course, they're from Portland. An essential part of essential, essential part of their stage setup and sound is a turn of the century Victrola gramophone. Okay, of wait, guys, it is. I'm coming too. What is what's the actual page? 
can't we can't wait, Sky. This train is leaving. It's the Norfolk and Norfolk and Western. <laughs> Uh, Norfolk ampersand Western uh, disambiguation band. Oh, band, nice. Okay, I'm in. I'm oh there. my gosh. Uh, wait, a recording project of Adam sets are with friends, including M Ward playing various instruments, and re- and evolved over time to become a fully orchestrated van- band. I said van, but a band is probably more accurate. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. In the it early days, Norfolk. Its sound was whispery, intimate, elegant folk music <laughs> laced with creaky old instruments and atmospheric sound collages. That sounds delicious. Mm. It sounds <laughs> like an old house. sound collages. An old dusty house. Oh, okay. Now it's just spooky. <clears throat> oh my gosh! This is. Oh, and of course it has film accompaniment and sometimes film accompaniment. Ah, oh, this is so amazing. <laughs> Just like any good indie band, they have rotating members. From Portland. Yep. <clears throat> and a gramophone. Talking about the members, um, Dave, oh, Dave Depper, so originally from Bend, Oregon, Dave Depper has perfect pitch. <laughs> <laughs> he also played in the Village Green and Blanket Music. And Blanket Tony, Music. Tony Moreno recently became a father and has been playing in the band since the inception. Moreno records on his own under his name with several releases to date. He also designs websites, including NorfolkandWestern.org. Yeah, <laughs> you guys should go to NorfolkandWestern.org. Click here now. Yes, it's, doing that right now. It's exactly what you'd expect from a uh, Portland band. How good band. of a web designer are you, Tony? Oh, nothing works. Wait. There's nothing. Oh, there's nothing here. It's oh, no. not there. Oh no! I mean, it's here. There's shapes. I have a map. Wait, what? <laughs> the shapes? Yeah, there's like triangles and arrows. Norfolkandwestern.com. Not sure dot he org. put those there. Dot dot org. org. Oh, dot org. Yes. You can. You can. Oh, read, here we are. Oh, I have page. shapes. Yeah, you can. You can make it in French. <laughs> or Spanish. Oh, you can I'll make say. it French shapes, Spanish shapes. <laughs> Oh, Netherlandic shapes. I'm guessing, I'm guessing this band's not around anymore. Oh, I'm so sad. It says sad. 1999 to present, though, on Wikipedia. Oh, yeah, to present. Let's see. Oh, no. Oh, no. M. Ward is Matthew Ward, who is a member of She and Him. Oh, that's <clears> that guy? That's that guy. Mm. Is that? That's not the... Yes, it that's is. The Zoe... The Day- yep. Zoe Deschanel one. Okay. Vehicle. He's wow. performed with Cat Power, Nico Case, and Beth Orton. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Portland. Wow. Yep. Wow. This is this is the the Norfolk and Western is much more connected than I thought they would be. I am. <laughs> yeah. This is really ridiculous, and of course you can find them on Last FM. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go back to the Golden Spike because the ceremony. There's some details in here that we didn't quite cover. That are okay. very important. Oh, I missed it. To drive the final spike, Stanford lifted a silver spike mall, which mm. is gives you like it's it's like plus two constitution. Yeah. Uh, if you <laughs> also good defense against werewolves. If you roll your D10 right, um, and he drove the spike into the tie, completing the line. Stanford and Hughes both missed the spike, <laughs> so they did not actually hit the spike <laughs> but this single word done was nevertheless flashed by telegraphs around the country <laughs> so that is a perfect perfect symbology of like a ceo is it uh, wonderful yeah the locomotives 
were moved forward, you know, because they had two locomotives meeting. And I didn't know this. You always see them pictured there together, right? Yes. You know what I'm talking about? Facing each other. Like they both just arrived. Well, they've got it on the state quarter, on the Utah state quarter. Yes, exactly. They moved the locomotives forward until their cow catchers met. So it was like the little, like, just like like the little trains were kissing. Yeah, just ding. Like you bring a Barbie and Ken doll together. You smash them together. Uh, Giant Irish Barbie doll. Yep. Uh, it's so great, guys. I, I, I mean, I was, I had fun just coming along on this, on this trip. Uh, I hope you learned some really ridiculous things, uh, including, man, I just can't get away from the Norfolk and Western Band. That's so great. You gotta, you gotta just let it go. Just no, let that band go. And uh, botched social uh, social media experience, experiments, and um, David Bowie's, uh, you know, cover of the Chattanooga Choo Choo. Which has to exist. Please exist. Anyway, uh, you can follow us uh, at WSKBcast on Twitter, uh, where we'll tweet out other um, we'll tweet out little trivia bits and other fun things that were coming coming along. And from where I will beg David Bowie to please please do this thing. So thanks for coming along, guys, and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye bye. Buzz. Buzz. <laughs> Buzz. This is a picture of a hot bearing detector with dragging equipment unit.